Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams. So they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Yo. Yo. How's it going, sir? Yeah, a bit of a mad rush. Oh, dear. And breathe. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, yeah? Not really been up to a lot, to be fair. Bit of a boring uh, last few days. What have you been doing? Nothing. Chilling. <laughs> Playing football here and there. Nice. Drinking? No. I haven't had a drink for ooh, probably over over two weeks now. Okay. Are you not ready for a big old blowout? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm waiting <laughs> for the collapse. <laughs> it might be tonight, actually. I've got a few mate, few, my, few more mates moving into the house today, so I might have a few drinks tonight. So how many people in your house again? Ten? Uh, ten, yeah. Ten lads. Ten lads. Yeah. So, um, Love to spend a night there. Come up! You want to welcome to stay? Got some spare beds. They would want me there. Yeah. Oh yeah, they would. No, you come out on the lash. Can you still go out on the lash? Are you still able to deal deal with that? I've never gone out on the lash. I've never been a go out on the lash guy. Never. What? You've never had like you've never done like a pub crawl or anything like that. You must have done. I don't think. Honestly, I've never been like that. I've never drunk alcohol I mean, like that. I, I was going to say that's mental, but like you, you know, you're probably reaping the benefits of that now. Well, look at my body. Yeah, sensational. <laughs> a model. No, I haven't. I tell you why, because I always feel if I have more than two or three drinks, I just feel a bit like I'm going to spew up. Yeah, and then you, there's like so there's that's the phase, isn't it? You have yeah, like, yeah, spew up. No, yeah. no, just no. Listen, hear me out. <laughs> you have your first three, and you think, oh shit, okay, I could be sick today, and then you get onto your fifth and sixth, and you forget about all of that, and do what? And just I don't know, mess about. Uh, to be fair, now that you think that when you say it sober, it doesn't really make any sense. But no, it makes no sense. But like when you're in it, and you're I don't know, I like a drink. Okay, well, that's how I've heard. <laughs> So I've heard. You haven't been followed now. No, I have heard. No, you like a drink. It's all right. I don't. It's because I remember when I was 21, I got the spinners. Oh, yeah, in bed. What? In bed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember thinking, I'm never, ever going to experience this again. And I never have. I hated it. But how many units of alcohol? You probably have a glass of wine a night. 
Most nights have a little glass of wine. So it depends you probably what... drink more than me in units a week. I just um, I just have it in a more compressed period. Well, I didn't last. I didn't have any last. Also, summer I drink more in the summer. Yeah. Okay. Normally I have a little teas in the in the winter. I'm a tea boy. In the winter. See, yeah, I I'm going through cups of tea like they're going out of fashion right now. Yeah. Love a cup of tea. Yeah, I'm a tea dude. But one thing I am good at is I replenish my fluid. I drink at least three liters of liquid a day. Like I drink two of these, which is one and a half liters. Every single What's day. What's that blood in it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, nah, squash. So I have one of squash and one of water because, I don't know, just, all, all water's a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to my new football club. <laughs> <laughs> Who have we got on today, David? Well, we've got Doc Brown on today, or otherwise known as Ben Bailey-Smith. Uh, do you know Doc Brown? Yeah, watched him uh, on CBBC as a kid. What? Yeah, he had um, he had a TV. I can't remember for the how he created it. Didn't yeah, he? he had a, he had a show. He was like the teacher in it. I think I was yeah. I, I was young when it was. Well, not young, but like sort of like primary school, secondary school. When no, nah, prim- it would have been primary school when he was on that. Oh yeah, I think he created the whole the whole show. Yeah, what was it called? Uh, he was called he was Doc Brown in that, wasn't he? He was like a Doc Brown teacher. I love that you watched that. I love that you uh, watched that. Yeah, four o'clock club. Yeah. Yeah, as a kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All the time. All the time. It was always on. Flip. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. But that was my that was like my childhood, really. Like well not not only that, but like obviously everyone like Ian Sterling, all of that group were like C B B C. Ian Sterling? He he presented C B B C He was like with Hacker Hacker the Dog. What? How do you not know this? I didn't know that. How could you not I, know that? I thought I just... Oh. Let's see, are we in? What's happening? Hey! I can't hear anything. So ah. Working. Fucking hell. We're still doing this bullshit. <laughs> uh, um, yep. Many times a day. <laughs> can't, oh, I see. I'm an idiot. Okay. It's, quite it's not... He hadn't plugged his okay. headphones in. That's oh, why come on. There we basics. go. All right. There we go. That's your basics. Hello. Okay, great. Can you hear us? Yes. In fact, I'll turn you down. You're incredibly loud. Um. All right. How am I sounding? Am I sounding okay? You are sounding wonderful. So, uh, I'm slightly nervous because just outside my office, there is... It's an Alsatian. No, even worse. Uh, 27 teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> all in my garden uh, the school's, school's just finished yeah school's just finished and my younger teenager who's very gregarious has brought half of her uh year round so you can see you can see there's oh a, my god some of them are congregating there the rest are inside yeah <laughs> that is terrifying yeah it's quite scary that, that window pane just looked like a tv yeah, it's like, it like, it like you're watching like Grain Chill or something. Uh, yeah, I watch, yeah, I watch movies on here and I, I do like my auditions. It's, got, it's like a little remote control. Oh, what? Pretty, pretty gangster. That is cool. That is so cool. There's Doggles. I love you slowly um, shutting them out. Yeah. <laughs> Dog, doggles is, is, is deeply concerned. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let her out. I think she wants to police them a little bit. Which no, no worries. Right, no worries. <laughs> that that's mad, you know, Doc from. Yeah, because uh, he was in Derek with. Yeah, so so I had like an evolution of him. I had I watched him at CBBC and then as I got older and was like mature enough to watch other things and I watched I saw him appear in Derek and I was like hold on a minute I recognise yeah those mm. two things linked together alright do I call you Doc or Ben Doc I mean they're both they're both my name I, I, I have no preference I need to I need to know you're comfortable, and comfortable. <laughs> I, I, honestly people ask me every day I'm like they're literally I've been Doc since I was 15 so it's just oh you know I mean, it's, it, is, it is my yeah. name. I see them both as both as me. So, John is twenty one, yeah, and he grew up with you on children's TV. Yeah, that his age is really um, is really specific. Uh, so, like the number one thing that I get stopped in the street for every day is is four o'clock club, and it, I know when it's going to happen because I can clock. It's a twenty one, twenty two year old man or woman. And the maths, you just do the maths. Like it was a groundbreaking show if you were like 12, yeah. 13 back then. Do you know what I mean? So the the biggest time is like if I go for a quiet pint, like I'll never go to the pub in the, you know, in, in the eve, anytime after sort of eight, nine o'clock. Um, because then you've got like people who are wankered as well as, oh my God, that guy's off TV. So then you're fucked. It's, John. it's your own fault. But I, I do love going for a quiet beer, you know, so just before everyone gets out of work, like three o'clock, four o'clock. And um, even that now, if I walk into a quiet pub and there's like a 21 year old working behind the bar, you know, uh, in between jobs or whatever, I know it's going to happen. And it, it always happens. It's every day. But you know what else is every day? They also say the same thing to me. They say four words. They say, you made my childhood. And that's fucking like hearing what that. What did you say, John? Before hearing that yeah, every day, I I said you like Ian Sterling, like Hacker the Dog. All of those people were like my childhood. Like yeah. that's uh, every morning before school, I'd like sit down, bowl of cereal, whatever breakfast, and then just watch that until it's time to go to school. I mean, what's, it, what's it like for you now, John? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's a bit surreal. But like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it, but like, I think you were more like when I got home from school. I think the more there was like some morning shows, and then you were like there for yeah, yeah. everyone when they got home. Yeah, from yeah. School. it was it was on so at like, four forty-five, which is like the sweet spot if in children's TV. Yeah, yeah. did you That's create like, it? Did you create the show? Yeah. Yeah, it was originally I had it set in a youth club because that's what I was doing before I was a youth worker. So I'd sort of based it on my experiences. And then the BBC wanted to set it in a school because they just thought a school's more universal, which of course they're 100% right. Like not everyone goes to a youth club, but everybody goes to school. So it was... Um, you didn't write them all, did you? No, I tried to and then realised I'd never actually written a television programme before and it's quite hard. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they moved me up to Manchester. It was the same, exactly the same time when loads of departments were moving out of London for the first time. So sports, news and children's went to Manchester. Um, this is like 2010. Um, and I went up and they got me an apartment. I was so excited. And then I sat down with the producers and they were like, um so what's your like outline for the it's 13 half hours the first like each series and i was like uh yeah i, I i'm gonna i'm gonna level you i never thought it, any of this would go this far 
and they they were so well, cool they were like apart, yeah they were like so cool they were like that's absolutely fine we got like staff writers who were all like out of work because tracy beaker had just finished we can get oh, some of them on board you 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 explain the vision and we put the stories together together so in the end and it, it was good that i did because they also had me yeah they had me starring in it and i was writing three songs for each episode so in the end I was what that's t- 10 times three to uh, 10 times 10, uh, 10 times three is 30, three times three or three times three, nine, nine. <laughs> so 39 songs. Maths <laughs> is not me. 39 songs yeah, for that first se- series, um, plus acting in each one and kind of show running. And then I wrote a couple of the episodes myself in the first. I just, and that's basically the formula as, as we went on. I just second series, same thing. Then I stopped acting in the second series, but I stayed on it writing and consulting until the fourth series was the fourth was my last. But ended up running. For- what I want to know: what is it like when they keep saying, "Yeah, we're going to commission another series and another series and another series"? I-, I think if I was still writing episodes and writing all the songs, I think it would have eventually got quite wearisome, especially because by that stage, like I met Ricky, which was the precursor to meeting you in 2012. And I was already doing a lot of other stuff. That. Yeah. Yeah. It was the right at the end of, I think, 2011 or beginning of 2012. Because when I first met him in person, I was opening for him in Norway. He'd invited me out there. He flew me out to Oslo and I met him backstage. Um, and how, that's how big was the venue? Tiny. It was like, yeah, 300 seater. But then I realized it was just a warm up for the arena that he was doing the next day. Like 300,000. Yeah, yeah, 300,000. <laughs> yeah. It was the size of Coventry. Did the whole of Iceland. Um, no, it was. it's funny because it was after that first gig, where which was an absolute shit show, by the way. I had an absolute mare. It was hilarious. Um, and, which Ricky absolutely loved, as you would know. What, the 300-seater was yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Because... I'd never supported anyone before. I'd always just, I just came on the circuit, stand-up circuit, and just sort of blew it up because what I was doing was so different, similar to you. It was just like nobody had really seen it before. So I was sort of just flying on the circuit, doing my own stuff, never open for anyone. And it was a shock to the system when I got out there and the house lights are on. Only There's only a few people in their seats, you know, and there's lots of shuffling around and people talking and going to the bar and coming back. Should we go to cloakroom? Yeah, I'll take my coat. That kind of shit. But no one's paying attention. So I'm. my instinct told me there's zero point here in um, just launching into material. I've got to work the crowd. Have to. Zero choice. Just to give you an idea, Doc, I don't know. Have you ever heard of an app called Be Real? Yeah, my daughter's using it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my the B-reel just went off like as we were recording here, and I did my B-reel. And just to give you everyone an understanding at home of how like big an impact Doc played on like my age group's childhood up, my phone's been blowing up since I did that. So no way you got Doc Brown on. Like <laughs> e- like everyone's like the four o'clock club, four o'clock club. So like people yeah, really? like, yeah, everybody's like, Oh, what's he like to live there? Obviously, like I'll get to it after, but yeah, no, that's like you played such a massive part in like you said, everyone my age group and probably a few years younger is like childhood. So this is pretty like yeah. surreal. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, man. And uh, yeah, so many funny stories about like getting accosted by by young people over the years, like <laughs> accidentally realizing I'm outside of college, like 
three years ago, four years ago, when you, when you would have been 17, 18. Yeah. Suddenly realizing I'm outside at chucking out time and like having to like duck behind a tree or something before it goes, goes I don't crazy. Know what, if I had seen you outside of college, I don't know what I would have, I would have, like, my, yeah, I, what my would head you have done? I think my head would have exploded. Well, I, I mean, would never have like the confidence to like ask for a photo or anything like that. Like I'm not that kind of guy, but like I would have been like, shit, that's like, that's top brown. I, I remember taking my daughter to, um, her new secondary school when would this have been this would have been like eight years ago um and i and she didn't know anybody i didn't know anybody i'd met someone through a friend of a friend whose daughter was also going there and i'd actually said to them oh like shall we like introduce our kids so they they know someone going to school so that's what we did and the first time i went to pick her up um I met this this other parent and we were just chatting. We didn't again. We don't really know each other that well. We we're just going, oh, how's it going for you? Yeah, going well. And then I just lost track, got talking, forgot how close I was to the school, and all these kids spilled out. One of them saw me, started screaming. Then it was like a hundred and fifty kids, like mobbing me, teenagers, <laughs> and. Like you hit them. <laughs> I was just swinging at them. I like, broke a tree <laughs> off a branch, just swinging, swinging. Yeah. Um, no, by the time like half an hour had passed and I'd done all the photos and everything, the parent I was talking to was looked at me again and was like, I guess I should know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't worry about it. I always remember and, thinking as a kid, like, oh, I wish he was my teacher. <laughs> I wish he yeah. taught me. That's like, sweet. Oh, yeah. That's sweet. But I tell you what, the big downside is stuff around your kids because it's, it's better now because generationally, like you're like the last of the Mohicans now. So kids that are younger than you, they didn't probably don't watch the four o'clock club. You know, it's yeah. like if you're younger than 18, you probably didn't watch it. You were too young. So it's fine now. But like a couple, even as recent as a couple of years ago, certain events at schools, colleges with my kids, like when I was looking around schools and colleges for my for my my two even that would temper things and they'd say don't come because if they have to start a new relationship with a kid they want to know that it's not because your dad's fucking yeah. doc brown do you know what I mean? yeah yeah they they want to know it's because of them so it, it has caused tensions in that regard in, in the past um anyway let me quickly finish i gotta finish that ricky story real quick so i'm, I'm on stage in oslo I'm trying to get people's attention, you know, by just by saying, Hey, come sit down. We're going to get the show started, blah, blah, blah. But you know how it is on those tours. The timing is very strict. You know what I mean? So I've got 20 from, from I've touched the mic. I've got my 20, that my, that's my 20 minutes. It's ending, ending on 20. So like, I'm like five, six minutes in just trying to police people. Then that like, an, I think, all right, you know what? I'm going to have to launch into material. And I'd written some Norwegian jokes on the plane. <laughs> I just thought, fuck it. Like, you know, never, never knew Yo Nesbo was a rapper. I always thought Yo Nesbo was a rapper. Like, it was some, something, some bullshit about that. Some shit I'd learned about Trondheim. Like, it was all yeah. terrible, you know, but I thought I'll give it a bash. Yeah. And I try and launch into it. And then an argument kicks off between these two guys and these two girls in the front two rows. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And they're like, the women are like, oh, these guys have taken our seats. Oh, geez, uh, guys, come on, man. Like, really? Is this what we're doing here? Let them sit down. Like, your your seats are like two rows behind. You're going to have a great view either way. So I'm smoothing it out and then, like, get them to, like, chat to each other in a calmer way. And then they almost start flirting and it's quite funny. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm winning. I'm winning. The audience is paying attention. Great. And I, I go, right, 
I'm going to do some material. I go into my first joke and like a wave of another hundred people comes in and it's more mess and more loudness, more light. And I just, I felt defeated. And the whole time Ricky had just he'd pulled up a little milking stool and was just sat in the wing really yeah. close to me and really close to the audience, but you couldn't see him from the crowd, you know, and he's just pissing himself at me struggling the whole time. So I just, you know, in those moments you think honesty is the best policy. So I just sighed. I did this deep sigh on the mic and I just went, you lot don't even know. This is actually, this is like, before I got on stage, I thought this was like a watershed moment in my career. Like I actually thought it was a turning point opening for Ricky Gervais. And I hear his name like, woo. And I was like, yeah, he's fucking, he sat right here laughing at his ass off at me doing terribly. And it's the first time I've ever performed in front of him. You know, so thanks a lot. You know, I, I thought this was my big break and I'm fucking ushering. You cunts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and that was like my first big laugh. And then I, I had about five minutes left at this point, but it went okay. And then got off stage. Um, me and Ricky went for a beer after he his performance. And he told me about this um, little sketch he'd done about like a, a guy with special educational needs called Derek. I think he might have even had a different name and he showed me this little thing that he'd filmed. It was just like a little five minute sketch. And he was like, I, I want to work you into this somehow. And that's, that's I basically. That was ages that, ago yeah, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was like 2011 or 2012. I think maybe I'd met you or at least I'd definitely seen you perform mm. through another um, Man United refugee, John Petrie, who's um, a sometimes. I saw John last week. Yeah, a mutual friend and colleague of ours. Um, and he used to do a, a comedy, a live comedy night for comedians who made videos, sketches, and you used to host it. And I used to make Did videos I? for that. Yeah, you hosted it a couple of times. As, oh, as sorry. Gittins, yeah. It was mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, I, I was like, why have you got Brian Gittins hosting it? We just need to watch the films. Now we've got a fucking guy <laughs> with a horse head, like dancing to Rocky. Like, we don't have time for this. Yeah. No, no, it's not a great <laughs> setup, is it? <laughs> Yeah, so, he yeah. did that. He did that with Holly, didn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, because I met Chris Haywood at that night, and I wrote Brian popcorn and Charles. Popcorn comedy, Chris. man. Yeah, Brian and Charles. Comedy. By the way, fucking hell, what a great film! You know, they they there just aren't really any proper comedy features anymore, and and certainly not British. And that film, despite the release, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like a major release in that many cinemas. It stood out for me, for the entire year of movies, American, British, foreign, whatever. Oh. Genuinely. I'm not just saying that. I, I genuinely mean it. I just haven't had a chance. I should have texted you after I saw it, but that movie's fucking great, man. It's really, really beautiful. It's really, really funny. And yeah, it's just got zero wank. All movies have just got like, it's like sort of 5% is good. I think for movies now, but it's sort of between 25 and 75% wank. All movies. They just watch Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. I loved that series and then went to watch the new one. And I was like, there's a good movie in here, but you've got 75% of unnecessary wank. Just get rid of it. Because like, they can't help themselves. Oh, I loved, I loved the new Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it was great. <laughs> there's an hour, there's a great hour and a half in there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. two unnecessary hours. The rocket story is all you need. It's yeah, great. no, that is true. Yeah, yeah. The rest is bollocks. I don't know how we did a movie. I don't know how we did one. I genuinely... I'm amazed. When, when they offered us 
they said, do you want to write a movie? I was like, well, I've never even thought of writing one. I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> wouldn't have a clue. But in a way, the writing of it, I feel like is easier than a TV series. In, in my eyes as a writer, like I feel like I can write an amazing pilot, blow your socks off. But just like with the four o'clock club, then it's like, oh, you got to do this for 10 years. And like, I don't know where these characters go. I like the self-contained nature of a movie. I, f- I felt like with a film, anyone can write the first 15 minutes and anyone can write the last 15. It's that fucking hour in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Or three hours. Anyone can come up with a start and an end. But Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. You sit in for Mark Kermo, or you sit in for, for Simon, Simon Mayer, Simon Mayer yeah. Yeah, I've been, you, I've been still doing, doing that their for podcast or? years. Yeah, actually, I've got a couple coming up. The first time I sat in for Simon, I'm going to say it was like five years ago. I mean, it was ages ago. Right, when you're offered that job, do you go, I'm doing that, or do you go, fucking hell, should I do that? That job was like a no-brainer because I was obsessed with the show, and it came about because there was like some interview I did in a paper somewhere where they were like, you know, what's your favorite uh, f- type of flower? Self-raising? You know, what's your favorite this? What's your fa-? and favorite podcast? I was like, hands down, Kermode and Mayo. And I guess someone in the production team had read it and called me and said, Simon's away, would you be up for jumping in? And I, I did not hesitate. But I was terrified on the day because it's like live, you're at the BBC. It's much easier now because it's like this. And you can just get to the end and then go, oh, that bit where I sounded like an absolute twat. Can we just take that out? Or that bit where I'm just really annoying. Just we loop that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I said, said that unbelievably yeah. racist thing. Can we, can we just trim that? <laughs> yes. that um, when the BBC just didn't have that. So it was a baptism of fire, but it made me a good broadcaster, I think. Um, and Simon is, a, Simon is like next level genius. Right. What does he do? I don't. I think it's just so years. Good. Dave, I really do. I like he's so relaxed. He was on top of the pops when we were kids presenting it. You've got to bear that in mind. Like he live TV at the highest possible level. Top of the pops back then, it's impossible to explain to you, John, because your parents probably weren't fucking born. But like it was the the biggest live event outside of sports i'd say on television no my dad my dad still watches they still do the top of the pops rewind oh, top of pops too. yeah 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 so he still he, he watches them and he's like, oh, i remember like, i remember this yeah no my and dad always my dad loved top of the pops so simon may was the presenter of that so he was already thinking on his toes already dealing with some of the biggest stars in the world i think he's just zen man he's just like a zen dude is he yeah is he's he? like so slick smooth do you know when our film came out and we got a nice review from Mark Kermode. Yeah, they loved it. I got, te- them, yeah. I got a text from Chris that just said, the battle is over, the king has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's man, all you... we cared about, what yeah, he I, thought. Uh, it's so funny, because I would be exactly the same. I'd be exactly the same. Like, when when uh, uh, the movie came out, um, the David Brent movie came out, and, you know, it got mixed reviews, it's fine. Um, but he was really warm about it. And that's before we had a relationship, do you know what I mean? So I knew it wasn't for my benefit. He didn't even know me. Yeah. I was just like, oh, just the release. Honestly, it was not getting released by my heroes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Anyway, we probably shouldn't spend ages talking about podcasts that are way better than this, should we? No, this is what, this is actually really good. So, (laughs) no, this is actually really good.
why uh, like why what's the connection between you two and are you really called john beer is that like genuinely that, your name that is legitimately my name i think because that's that's, that's another not... one of my nicknames just johnny beer look at it really? it's fucking johnny is beer no no, no no but i always have a beer and you normally put johnny in front of something that you do a lot isn't it yeah, yeah so johnny think... beer johnny <laughs> I, think <Beverage>. south, <laughs> I think down south the beer surname is quite not common but it's not like i, I know a few there's a few people called like alan beer and things like that i've like, never heard alan of anyone beer. called beer. beer actually you're saying there's really? a man called a beer yes he, play, he played he played for exit city like years and years ago alan beer i've never heard beer as a surname i mean it's obviously so there's probably very few words in the uk that are used more often than beer yeah but it's like i've got a mate whose surname is tree I've, I just never, it's such a common word, but I've never heard it as a name. What's his first name? Steve. Steve. Big Steve Tree. <laughs> That's a great name. Steve Tree is brilliant, isn't it? Steve Tree, yeah. So I get a lot of, um, like if I, if I bump into someone on a night out, like, and I don't know, they're like, oh, what's your name? And I'm like, John Beer. And they're like, oh, what, like the drink? And I'm like, yeah. And then they just start listing every other drink on planet Earth. Like, oh, John Wine, John Lager, John Vodka, John Yeah, everything. you must you, love all yeah, that. that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's almost, <laughs> almost as good as being told you made my childhood every day. Yeah. John Beer, like John Wine. Yes, like yeah. John Wine, if, if, yeah. if, if my surname was Wine. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a shit version of like John Wick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did we meet, John? I tell you, I started this podcast because I wanted to... I'll snip all this out, everyone's heard this. I wanted to follow a football team. I support Man United. Yeah. And we moved down to Devon. I thought I want to take my boys to a local side and go and watch live football. I'd never done it before. So I started supporting Exeter. And then, oh, long story. You, you got John you got, got properly board. into it, basically. No, no. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> you struggled at the start, didn't you? I, I mean, yeah, it was what... like an experiment. Can you get into another football team? So I bought a season ticket, and you can. You were um you you were struggling with Joe, weren't you? Because like there was no sort of like knowledge about what was going on. So you were like coming on every week, and you were like, "This happened," and Joe would be like, "Well, well I don't really know what that is or means." Who's Joe? So I was going to what? Joe Wilkinson. Oh, yeah. This started so we, with Joe. We we did like many episodes with Joe, didn't we? Yeah. So where did he go? It's just naffed off. He fucked off. <laughs> he, he, had, he had enough. <laughs> so, uh, that sounds like the Joe I know. Yeah. We'll just got, got some more stuff to do, mate. So David basically found me through Twitter. Yeah, didn't you? And then, and then that's how that's how we got started. Now I'm, like, I'm into American. Exeter, but at the same time, I do like my Man United. Got to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I I have a theory that is based on absolutely fuck all other than you know anecdotally the the biggest number of footballing refugees fan wise come from man united i genuinely believe that i mean yeah. we mentioned john petrie earlier he he was a man united fan gone yeah great guy gone he's a palace fan now you know oh, I, I think there's something that is it, something about man united's trajectory not right now, but up until very recently has been so sort of depressing since like Fergie left. Do you know what I mean? And then you start looking at it and you think, I've had all this glory. 
Like, well, that's what killed it for me. It's too, it's like too much. Like, I wonder if City fans will be next, you know? Like, actually, I just want to see some hardship. <laughs> well, I'm fucking getting it now. Yeah, well, you know, welcome, welcome. It's always described. <laughs> that, that's, uh, come on. This is, this, this is like the... Uh, this, Doc, this is the most successful Exeter City have been in a hell of a long time. Where, where are you guys now? League One. That's not bad. That's higher than I thought. That's higher than I yeah. thought there would be. Well, when I ju- so the first season I started supporting them, they won. They got promoted from League Two, and everyone was going mad. And I'd only been there like six weeks. Good luck, John. So I waited. I waited like something stupid, like 13, 14, 15 years of my life for a promotion. And David wow. was in first season. Up How about go. that? And who are your local rivals? Is it Bristol or is it Plymouth? Plymouth. Plymouth for the ones. And where are they? Championship. Just just one League One last season. Oh, okay. So they're the ones to catch. And at Bristol City, anywhere near you or, or Bristol Rovers? Their, ch- their championship, Bristol Rovers are uh, League One. It's so funny, you know, like when when we got promoted Palace in 2013, it's been 10 years in the Prem now. Just the longest ever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you keep getting fucking palace. Yeah, there's a lot of us, man. If you if you hire comics, <laughs> that's what you're gonna get. You yeah. know, me, yeah. John Petrie, Holly Walsh, Joe Brand, uh uh James Gill, Eddie Gizzards, James Gill, James yeah. Daly, Carly Smallman. Um, Chloe Pets Palace. John yeah, Hughes, Chloe rest Pet in peace. Palace. Chloe Pets. Chloe Pets. It's fucking loads of us. Neil Look Morris, tea, season. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but do you know what the problem would be, David? You would, if we were like Palace and we were in the Premier League for ten seasons. Love that. You, no, you, I think that. you wouldn't. You'd go. Oh, yeah, for God's sake! I want Champions League now. No. It's just boring. No, but, uh, well, that's what the young Palace fans do. The ones that are a bit older that remember the doldrums, they do not say anything like that. We got to grow gradually. We don't want to end up becoming a, a, a Leeds or a, a, a Portsmouth and, and try and rush it. What's What's funny to me is that. When Rush left- it. I feel like you've been down the bottom for fucking years. But in the Premier League, my whole life we've been at the lower division. This is this is profound that we're in the Premier League for ten years. But you're, but you're hardly ever in the Championship, are you, Dave? My entire life, Palace spent um, one year at a time in in the Premier League. Occasionally, once every ten years or so. We, Can't we, I always picture been, you in the Premier League? No, 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 no. The last time we had a decent run was when it was the old First Division. We finished third in 1991. Then when the Premier League was formed. Third? When the Premier League right was and formed. Bright? Yeah, yeah. When the Premier League was formed, that was, the, that was the year after. We could have been in the Cup Winners' Cup if we beat you in 1990, right? One of the most memorable footballing summers of my life. We could have done well in the Cup Winners' Cup. Who knows? It, 1991 we finished third right which would have been a champions league place but that that wasn't invented yet so the following year they invent that and the premier league and what happens man united win it we get relegated and that but is why? the why sp- did you lose Ian Wright and Mark Bright yeah sold right to Arsenal Bright went to Wednesday um and you know we We've always been in the doldrums. So the fact that we're back is amazing. And I remember the day we went up and I remember saying to all my championship supporting mates, you know what? I'm never going to forget the championship. It was such a tough slog for so long. The amount of times we nearly went out of that as well and went down even lower. I'm going to remember, I'm going to look out for all of your scores and I'm going to wish you all the best every week when I'm on the BBC football website and all that. I'm going to check for you. 
within about three weeks of being in the Prem, I couldn't even remember who was in the fucking championship. <laughs> I don't know where anyone is outside of the Prem. Couldn't give a fuck. Never want to go back. Never. Well, that's won. what I've been like with Exeter. I'm like, who are these teams? <laughs> it's mad when you see an old behemoth of your youth. Yes. Down there. Like Sheffield, what we played Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday season. Yeah. Dalton, you know, those teams that were just huge back Derby. in the day. Derby County. Yeah. Doc, did Palace ever go down into League One in your era or have you always been trapped? Well, I think when I was very, very little, maybe in the early 80s, you'd have to get an older Palace fan to, to tell you. But right. my dad yeah. my dad talked about when we were in like the third division and shit. Like he remembers going to Selhurst Park when there was like no seats and it was just like a mound of fucking mud and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like different era. Um, but yeah, mm. the life of a Palace fan is... I, can't, I, can't, I genuinely strange. can't imagine... Support, like supporting a team the way I support XC in the Premier League, I, I, I'm fully comfortable with the fact it's probably never going to happen. Which like, a I'm lot not. of people, no, I, David, I think anything's possible now. Mental. But look at Bournemouth. Not for us, look at Bournemouth. Not, it's not possible for us because we're fan run, right? Well, but, it is possible. It's just a lot harder. Nah, it's not possible. But it don't you? Possible. Yeah, I suppose. Like all, all the clubs that have made it have had investment, but there yeah, I mean, are mad stories when you look at Swansea. Bournemouth, I mean Brentford is remarkable as well. Um, yeah, Brentford but, but league, properly. Swansea yeah. nearly went out of the entire football league, and then just got back to back promotions. Came that, all the way to the Premier they League releg- that season. That Swansea nearly went out. We got relegated out the football yeah. league. They created Brendan Rodgers, as we know it. They, they. Some people say they influenced the new Arsenal style when they came up. Like it's kind of How? Mad. did they get money pumped into them is that what happened i think they just had they were just on a mad run of confidence which can, can be enough like i mean we've never had any money and we've managed to get up there and stay there um which is really really hard but those teams that climb all the way up the divisions i just find it so great to see um so you, you never you never ever know maybe like, you'll get a big benefactor or something like that who knows an exit it's just on me doc one of the reasons, when I think of Crystal Palace, mm. when I watch them on TV, I go, I've never heard of any of your players. Who are you? Mm. Yeah, I mean, most of the conversations I have with non-Palace bad? supporters, no, it's fine. <laughs> like, for, for, since, for, for well over a decade, my conversations with people outside of Palace who love football, it's all the same. They go, oh, Palace, doing all right, aren't you? That, that Zaha, he can play. Yeah. Into play. Yeah. And now, like, now Zaha's getting a bit older. It's exactly the same conversation. Palace. I like Palace. You know, you know I don't have anything against you, Lot. I like you, Lot. I like you, Lot. That Eze, he can play. Oh, just about <laughs> that, to say that. That is the limit of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it into perspective, uh, Exit City's like roughly. But like rough budget for every season is about just over two million pounds. When uh, Bournemouth were promoted from League One to the Championship, their owner had an estimated net worth of one point eight billion dollars. Wow! So like that's that's what you're competing with. Um, yeah, for real. No, that is that's fair enough. That is. We're a enough. lovely team, Doc. You'd love us. Yeah. You'd yeah. Absolutely. Come down. Us. I can't. I can't. I'm trying. Did, did you ever have like a mad cup run or anything? I just can't think of anything yeah, Exeter City related that. I've, I'm pretty sure we had a. I think we had a Mad Cup run in like the 80s. I want to say. Oh, okay. But like, uh, yeah, it was a yeah, what's your, of the what, FA Cup. What's I think. your knowledge of Exeter City? What you got? That is it. What John just said. That's my. That's it. That's everything. Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins was at Exeter City. Ethan Ampadu. 
Okay, went to Chelsea. Matt Grimes. Yeah, Matt Grimes. Yeah, just gone to Leeds. Uh, who else did you create? Who like anyone big in the nineties, two thousands? Michael Jackson gave him his start. Don't <laughs> 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 No, I, I, I mean, I'm the worst person to ask. I get slated okay. all the time for um, getting shit wrong. Yeah. Well, I'm not getting shit wrong, just not necessarily known. But I mean, I wasn't alive, so everyone can shut up. Right, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I have a, I have a side job writing a column in the program at Crystal Palace for every home so game. Cool. It's, a love, nice. it's a lovely gig. Um, but yeah, like sometimes I'm like, oof. I don't know if I should even talk about this because it's just is, way is before it, my time. Is there know? ever a little rap in there? Ever drop a little? No, the closest I got to having a rap in there was one of my favourite articles last season where I was talking about chance, like just the science of football chance um, and how I've always dreamt of starting one. But it's so scary because it's a bit, it's, it's almost worse than stand-up, isn't it? Because you you got to find the lull, the silence to do your bit. But when you do your bit, like maybe nobody will sing along with you. Or they might just turn around and look at you and go, what the f- Shut, <laughs> shut the fuck up. What is that? Um, but I'm fascinated by the, how they start. Yeah. How do they start? Well, this is the thing. So I thought maybe this could be a cool little uh, investigative column this week. But as I got into it, I thought, wait a minute. It'd be my- this is the perfect opportunity to start a chant. Like without any kickback, I'll just do it here. And if it's shit, it's shit. So I wrote a bunch of chants in this column. Um, and that was probably my most fun common, most fun column that I wrote. Like um, I did one for Mark Gahey that, that, that a lot of people like. Mark Gahey is one of our defenders. Yeah, you wouldn't know him. Uh, Eze, he can play, can't he? Zaha. <laughs> Zaha. Yeah. It was, but the thing is, they were all a little bit camp. Like you can't right. even be, you see, hear them being shouted. Do you know what I mean? Like, so my Mark Gahey one was, Gay who? Gay he. That's great. What a defender. Magic. Yeah, you can't see it. You can't hear that. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you got to imagine like a bunch of sort of like monotone men be able to scream. Yeah, it. that's they, the they key. pump that out. Gay who? Naturally, you've got to be able to do that. And I think if it if it does have a little um, melancholy in it, I think it could be a good thing. I mean, like the one I wrote for Will Hughes. Will Hughes, I saw you standing alone, about to pass to Zaha. Lovely little player. Assisting another goal. Oh, I don't know about that one. You know what I mean? You get get the weight behind it. And then, what else? I had a bunch. They're all terrible. Um, You also got backstory. Yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, uh, 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 what is it? If you pass, I will find you. I'll be waiting. Nathaniel Klein. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah, you see a pattern. Just cheesy eighties pop songs, but you know they, they sound ridiculous. But when you think of the ones that make it, like we used to sing, "Joe be macking up, macking up, Joe be macking up, na 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 na, Joe be macking." That was a real song that the whole stadium sang. 
I genuinely Mental. think football fans are like calling out for original chants. I think they're all just recycled, aren't they? Recycled yeah. from the same tune. People are craving a new. Well, sort I've of written some songs for Exeter City. Yeah, I mean they're not chants though, are they? <laughs> they're not. They're not going to sit there and sing a whole three minute, forty minute, three minute forty second song on Jack Aitchison, are they? There's an amazing Man City one where they've done uh, Fleetwood Mac tune. You know, I want to be with you everywhere. But which the chorus works great, but for some reason. They've rewritten like the verse and bridge, and it's mental. It's way too fast. Nobody can sing it together. It's an absolute fucking mess. Chorus <laughs> is great, but it's just yeah. so. Why, why have you done that? But yeah, I agree, John. I think it's time for some original. What, what are our ones, John? Yeah, what's the main one at Exeter? God, there's, there's so many. Like, Alex Archridge. Well, we've got like we've got a few that like are sort of you like chance of like come into play like in recent years so like everyone has like he's a well actually too far this one might be original but we've got like a player called check diabate and we've got one that goes he's our fucking center up check diabate hey yeah like things like that yeah. but Mm. Um, Doc's not interested. No, <laughs> my wife's trying to call me and telling her to leave me alone. Like in an interview, we've got like we've got some like generic Plymouth slander ones. All um, oh, right, like, just cuss the Plymouth guys. Yeah, always yeah. fun. We, we've got a few about the Roman walls. People are quite proud of the Roman walls in Exeter. The Roman up. walls. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a bit of history there. Uh, yeah, mate. Wikipedia chance. <laughs> Exeter City. <laughs> yeah, no, I, have to, I have to admit, over re- in recent years, a lot of them have uh, have not been great. Mm. Well, I wrote proud. one. Like, it's had something to do with Le- Exeter City, and I, but I used electricity. What's the song with electricity? The word electricity in it might be by Sister Sledge or something. Electricity. <laughs> There's something in that. <laughs> yeah, well, it rhymes. Now's not the time to talk about it. I, w- I actually wrote an FA Cup song once when the last time Palace had a, a great run, we went all the way to the final to meet Man United again in 2016. And I wrote a little rap song um, just for old times' sake. Because remember when we were kids and we used to have the FA Cup songs? It was uh, just like lovely nostalgia kind of thing. Um, but that's how I ended up getting closer to the club. Like that's where it started because Steve Parrish, the chairman tweeted like this song. He was like, I'm making this the, uh, the official song of our run to Wembley kind of thing. And then the club got in contact and they were like, would you mind if we played it at Wembley? Like when it goes, and I was like, what? And they got the sky sports interviewed me at Wembley. And I, I'd already bought a ticket, you know, no, no VIP shit. Just obviously, it was a huge day f- for me personally. And then I heard them play that song. I was like, "This is this is a moment." That's insane. Yeah. Was there people around you going like, "That's that's you"? Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that must yeah, yeah. be a pretty surreal moment. Yeah, because there is. If you think about it, there is no place where I'm more famous than around Palace because every bit, literally every single person knows who I am, and we're all on the same page. Do you know what I mean? So you yeah. don't. You don't get bothered in a way, but you feel like a fucking hero. Like every minute. I, lo- I love going to Palace. It's the best. Yeah. I've had a little glimpse of that. Like obviously nothing in comparison, but like I went away to Sheffield Wednesday with, well, not with David, but we sort of saw you there. And um, I was with my, I brought a couple of mates from uni. A couple of, like, there was fans coming over like, oh, you 
John Beer from Miley Football Club, like, love the podcast, and that was like a really like surreal moment for me. Mm. So I can imagine like. I can't even imagine ninety thousand people listening to me at Wembley. That's terrifying. <laughs> I I went to I went to Blur's concert at Wembley. Oh man, I really wanted to go to that. Fuck, I, I was on I, I could the hear stage it from my house. What? Why? You just jumped on. They said I love Blur. They got lovely legs. Streaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and Joe went. We were, Steve Davis was DJing. The, the snooker player. The snooker player. Yeah. He did really into his music. Yeah. You know, I think I knew that. Yeah. Can you? So he invited us. Okay. He he's DJing as 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 Wembley starts filling up. We're on stage just chatting to Steve, and then he he continues. And me and Joe went. We're in the middle of the stage, and like suddenly there's like a thousand people just. (laughs) We're on the middle of the Wembley (laughs) stage, just standing around, (laughs) just standing, standing looking out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. did, did someone get like, get the fuck off stage no no one said anything did like, you stay there? should we go how long did you stay there line, like, 20 minutes not until Blur came on surely no because then they bought on select Steve bought on selector ah, and okay. then Paul Weller and then Blur oh yeah. right was it amazing yeah. was it amazing the show yeah I loved it oh. loved I, it I, sh- I don't know why I didn't work harder to get a ticket I should have should have done that he started, cr- he started bawling, that. crying. Oh, mate. No, yeah. you didn't. No, you didn't. No, Damon Albarn Damon did. did. Oh, sorry. Um, I, yeah. See, I don't know. I don't have a clue who Blair are. Yeah, well, again, it's, it's your age. But, like, put it this way. When I was your age, they were one of the biggest bands in the world. Is that fair, Dave? Like, mid-90s? Well, I mean, absolutely in this country, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they toured the world. They were massive in Japan. They were doing they're doing bits in America and all of that. Um, but yeah, in this country, yeah, they, it was like them and Oasis were the, the biggest bands in the country wow. by, by a country mile. Um, and Blur were like infinitely better. It was really annoying that they always got compared. I see. When you hear their songs as well on, on that Saturday, I was just like, they're really strong songs. They're strong songs, man. But from yeah. the jump off, like Modern Life is Rubbish is a wicked album, man. And they tapped into that, like, you think about that song, There's No Other Way, you know, or was it, was the other one it's called Blue Jeans? I can't remember. But, um, you know, that vibe that like, the Stone Roses had, the sort of those rolling drums is really dancey. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Proper sing-along shit, but like complex and, and conceptual as well, you know, abstract in the right ways at the right times, you know, conceptual albums. Whereas Oasis was like a, Dirge, man. It was like um, football chants, like albums of football chants. Were they, were they young? Sure, but at the time, they I would have been. Were they young? Like yeah, yeah, like early twenties. Uh, yeah, oh, I would say I would say they're all probably like fifty-two now, fifty-three. I did not. I did not expect them to look. I've just googled a picture of them back in the day. I did not expect them to look like that. Me and Joe said. I said to Joe before Blur come on, let's go back because we had access all areas. Let's go backstage behind the stage and let's just. Uh, so we were right behind the stage. They turn up on a golf buggy, got out. Fucking Damon! <laughs> and they, yeah, they just went up and just yeah, amazing. Did you speak to him? Nah. <laughs> nah. What are you gonna say? <laughs> Lovely leg. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> nice hair. <laughs> right. We've got we've got ten questions. Oh yeah. Uh, so I keep forgetting this is an actual thing. I haven't yeah, spoken to you for thing. ages. It's quite risky doing it this way, isn't it? Because I was just like, oh, how's your but I'm the editor. Oh, no, 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 I can no, no, edit no, no. this. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. All so right. if there's anything you want out, maybe. Was that? <laughs> um, are you? What are you doing at the moment? Before I find these questions, um, I'll tell you one thing. I would love to plug on this. I never do it. I never do any plugs ever, but because um, I just think it's just gross. Um, but I, I really do need to get some bums on seats for this um, panel show, a comedy panel show I'm producing in Edinburgh last week at Edinburgh. Hello everybody, it's David here in the edit. I've just realised I'm late, Edinburgh's just finished. So this plug is pointless, but I feel bad. So please go and check out what Doc's doing, and maybe he's doing it in London, or uh, this show in London or elsewhere in the country. Um, what a what an idiot. What an idiot. Uh, apologies, Doc, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, go go to Doc's Twitter if Doc's got Twitter or uh, Instagram, or I'm sure he'll be doing the show somewhere else in the country. So please buy a ticket, buy ten tickets, and I, uh, I apologise for my late edit. Oh. It is an improv uh, comedy rap panel show, basically. So it's like panel quiz show thing, but all around rhymes and Im- improvising rhymes. And we have comedians against comedians and rappers against rappers and, and, and the mixture as well. Comedians versus rappers, rappers versus comedians all week. Yeah. So we got like Carl Donnelly, we got Nathan Darcy Roberts, we've got Steve Bougeja. You just look up soundslikeshow.com or follow me on Insta. John, go to, go to the Edinburgh festival. Yeah. You like, you'd honestly, you'd love it. It's well, the first time I went, John. It was like you could have called me Johnny Beer. Uh, no, uh, you, it was like New Year's Eve every night for a month. I, I'd ne- I'd never been before. I went up there. I was in a competition called So You Think You're Funny, and I had a five minute cameo in another stand up's hour, and I just never seen anything like it. It's twenty four hours a day, comedy and partying. It's just like if you're young, it is. It's like a must. I would say. Is it something to do with your mates? Like, you, like all your mates go up and absolutely, like, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Like, we 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 got like a cr- bunch of bunch of guys coming who are not even fucking doing anything, They're just coming along for the ride because it's just such a good time. Um, no, I suggest because I, I I live in a house with uh, ten other lads, Doc, and um, we're always that? we're always looking Jesus. for like we like things to do. Like we go to the horses or go. We do we do we actually do quite a lot of comedy nights. We try to do. We're in Manchester, so like, there's loads of great. Oh yeah, like, you got Frog and Bucket. La- we went to watch um, Lloyd Griffith at the Lowry. Very funny uh, man. We saw oh, his name has escaped me. It's uh, all right. This this the kind guy of that goes... on the show, just trying to remember shit, and no one gives a fuck about. Saw Steve Coogan as Alan Partridge uh, at the that's, AL. That's impressive. Um, so yeah, that, that, we did. We we done all these cool like comedy nights, and we love it. So like, we should probably try more. Really, do it. Do, do it. it. Yeah. There's also there's loads of free shows as well. You don't necessarily have to go there and spend a million pounds on shows. Um, so it's it, it can be yeah, but they're shit. Yeah, they are shit. <laughs> uh, no, they're not shit. I feel no, like one year we were up together, Dave, and you just went, "I'm off, I'm not doing this." Like halfway through. Is, is am I remember? I got me. I got me. Oh uh, no, you had a good, good excuse. Okay, that makes sense. I knew yeah, you were ill. I, not, was. I didn't know you were up there. I was up there. I remember you saying to me, "I'm I'm not well. I'm going home." I was like, "What? You just get at me? Is that how it works?" Well, I don't know. It was like it. a post-viral 
It was um, stress. It was yeah. stress. The thing is, it is so stressful when you're performing, John. That I can imagine. Like okay, I remember David saying, like, "I'm going home," and feeling jealous that he was gravely ill. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> gravely <laughs> ill. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't remember like ever <laughs> being on my way to a gig and not fucking Babe Parkinson. Yeah. Lucky fucker. <laughs> Lucky shaky fucker. Um, I don't remember ever going to a gig and not thinking, I hope like a fire has started in the venue or something. Oh, no, send me home. The times I used to go to gigs, um, maybe something horrific. Very occasionally you get a call, so the gig's off. Is it? Oh, gutted. Fucking brilliant. Do you still get paid if it's, uh, if it's, if it's off? Yeah, you, mm, sometimes you might get sometimes. a half fee or something. But, uh, I, I literally can it. my biggest fear is like walking out in front of a crowd and like falling on my ass like actually like, falling. not being able to like deliver oh yeah I mean that happens no 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 there's like, a mo- like, there's a weird yeah. moment no, yeah, where still. you get announced a huge round of applause from everybody and that is an applause but, of hope more than no. anything else isn't it it's, a, it's hope like they maybe have never yeah. even heard of you but they're clapping well, in the something hope you do yeah, robots that, that you're gonna be funny <laughs> And then there's this yeah. this second, this millisecond where it dies down and there's silence between the end of the applause and your first word. And in that millisecond, I can tell that I fucked the gig or not. Like I, I, wow. I can get in my head in that second and just go, oh, I'm going to deliver this opening bit in an so- uncertain way, you know? And that can be enough to throw myself. We talk about killing and dying, but some of it is like suicide sometimes you yeah. kill yourself up there like oh all the time i used to do that you know there's so time I'm- people are like oh that was a rough gig like but these guys they're they're wankers or are uh, here in you know where west bromwich or something and, and it's never the audience it's always the comic i mean sometimes you get like a stag do or something that ruin it but most of the time when a comic dies it's something that they've done to themselves somehow they've just got in their own heads uh I, from personal experience i can say that and I remember so every one, John. I remember every one. I've not done stand up for f- six years now, and I still remember every death I've done. That's I think you can walk on stage and they're with you from the off, and then that sort of gives you. Yeah, it could be the nature of the night. Sometimes you've got a vibe going, so it's a very special kind of night. Like, did you ever used yeah. to do the Invisible Dot nights? No, I didn't. And that was like no. a very specific sort of corner of comedy that I would have thought you fit in perfectly, where it's like all the comedians there are just doing something slightly left of what we understand to be stand-up. Do you know what I mean? They're all talented stand-ups, no question, but it's just something that they bring is just ever so slightly different. So like, for example, that's where I, I first got to know Tim Key mm-hmm. because he was a perfect fit for that. You know, Cardinal yeah. Burns, people like that who are just doing something just slightly off from stand-up, but can hold their own as a stand-up. Um, and I think if you're on a night like that, where sort of everybody kind of gets it, then I think you've got a sort of blanket support throughout. Or like a charity night, do you know what I mean? But we're all here for Macmillan. Fucking laugh. Don't be a dick. People are dying of cancer. <laughs> yeah. But you want more yeah. cancer, is that what you're saying? More cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember yeah. when I went to watch Lloyd, I did, it was the first like you know i've been to like um sort of like little club events and that was all like sort of people trying new material but it was the first one where everyone like the two comedians had their all their material sorted and i didn't realize it was like a warm-up act obviously the first one i've ever been to and matt bragg came on matt bragg matt bragg matt bragg 
don't know. He he was like on before. He was like Maybe. for um, and he was he was brilliant. He was. So I thought I was like I was like if Lloyd is even half as good as this, which he was. I'm gonna like love this because I I thought I was gonna wee myself. Mm. I genuinely thought, oh my god, that's I'm, great. I, I was having a drink, and I thought, oh my god, I'm going to wee myself. Oh, um, any other people like, you know funnier yeah, than me and David? Let's let's list them. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, there's something there's something about David that I that just I everything you do makes me laugh. I don't know why. He's one of the funniest performers I've ever seen. You talking about me? One yeah. of the funniest performers I've ever seen. I, I I've laughed. At, Dave doing his thing in a way that I haven't laughed at anything else. Like times God, when I feel like I'm dead. I feel yeah, like I yeah. died last week. He, he used to light up a room. Every room he walked in <laughs> with, his light smile. with his smile. <laughs> He'll be sorely missed. <laughs> Lovely guy. But Lovely because guy. the only snippet, so like my, my uncle Stu's a massive fan of like uh David and all of the stuff he does and Brian. I'm absolutely loving this in part particular. Of the <laughs> and like and I never got to see you do Brian as stand up. I only see Brian in things like um, Brian and Charles and things like yeah, that. Yeah. So that's, and like uh, Afterlife. So those are my like only little snippets I get of Brian. Uh, he would, he would do things that would risk losing the entire room and sometimes would, <laughs> and he'd work through it. I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. When, there was one time me, him and Ricky did like a free man show where we'd come on, go off, come back on again. And we'd all do bits. So Ricky was working through, uh, you know, a full length show. And me and Dave would just come on and do bits. And honestly, whenever he came on, me and Ricky would be stood right there in the wings. Just going, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Because like there'd be certain things he'd do where the audience would go, can we have Ricky back on now, please? Cause <laughs> I don't know what's happening <laughs> and we would be pissing ourselves. There's nothing, nothing, there's nothing greater for a, a comic. I think on, on a night than watching another comic, try something risky. And that's what he would do. And sometimes it wouldn't work, but when it would work, holy shit, you know, you just think, right, my best bit is not good enough now because he just took the biggest risk ever and look yeah. at the response. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm going to do this to his, cut to his knob. Shit. Yeah, would you only take risks though because it wasn't you in a way? It's like a diff, it's like you know, whatever That's I do, it, it's not question. It, it's not me, so like it's is this is Brian, this is a whole different, like sort of like an old, yeah, well, like I couldn't go on as me because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have an angle, no, yeah, but like I mean, when as in because I know you, I'd say I know you pretty well, and you don't strike me as a risk taker, but Doc has just described you as like the biggest risk taker you got, as Gittins, no question. No question. Well, I remember seeing someone, I remember going to a gig before I started and they went on stage and I sat there sort of stony face thinking, you've been given 10 minutes under that light to do whatever you want. I just remember thinking, you've got to do something a bit different from everyone else. Otherwise, what's mm. the point? Yeah, it felt like that. Yeah, like when they come on and say, I know what you're thinking. I look like the love child of something. Like, holy shit. Wow. And At like, least say that hundred times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, John, <laughs> to give you some idea, the first time I saw Brian Gittins perform live, right, he comes on stage, takes the mic out of the stand, and you know sometimes the, the cable's like a bit coiled up or twisted. You might just yeah. shake it out, you know, just sort of give it a little whip like a hose pipe, just shake it out, get the kinks yeah. out. He does that, and he's not satisfied. He does it again. Then he does it again. 
Then he spent like two fucking minutes getting the kinks out of this fucking cable. It was hilarious. <laughs> then it was so annoying that you wanted to kill him. Then it stopped being funny. Then it became a bit funny again. Then it became hilarious again. And it just, it was like, I went through all the emotions of watching like an action movie, <laughs> watching a man whipping a cable around, not even saying anything. Unreal. <laughs> uh, Unreal. Uh, when I support Scroobius, he said to me, every gig I come off, I'd apologize. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Scroobius, Scroobius, about what I did just then. So sorry. sorry. Hopefully you'll turn it around. <laughs> yeah yeah right thank you for that that's really kind there you thank go. you well, okay now. now no <laughs> definitely looping that with some lovely music on there. <laughs> question one what was the first game you went to oh 1988 loftus roads uh, which Ooh. was my local ground, um, QPR Liverpool. So the guy who lived in the flat underneath me was a, a huge Liverpool fan, had all these VHS tapes. That's how I got into football. I'd watch all these tapes because I would go to his flat. My mum was working like two jobs. So there was no one to um, look after me. So I would go to his flat after school and wait for my mum to come home. And he would never look after me. He's a raging alcoholic, but I would what he'd go like watch TV and I'd watch all these old Liverpool tapes. So by the time I was like eight, I was like an expert on Liverpool football club, 1960 like Barnes and Beardsley. And no, I was an expert for on Liverpool football club, like 1965 to like 1984 or something like oh. to when they got kicked out of Europe because of these tapes. And that, that yeah. made me start watching a little bit more football when it was on telly, but not that much. All the football I watched was like old footage of Liverpool. So when they played QPR, him and a bunch of his mates, they're all Northern Irish guys, really rough guys, you know, they were all going. And um, he said, why don't you come with us as well, you little shit? You know, and I was like, oh my God, mum, can I go? And I, I can't believe she let me go. But I was, it's 1988, so I was nine ten right how old were these blokes yeah in, in their in their late 40s i guess early yeah. but also they were all alcoholics so they probably looked about 20 years older and i remember going down there, there's no seats and that and it's just like contraband being had you know you're waist tight so you just see all this crazy stuff you know cigarettes getting passed back and forth drugs drink and i just like wandered down to i saw lots of other kids who were down by the, f the front you know because you just walk around and the front was like a little wall like waist height wall and then the touchline i mean that's all it was and if you're a little kid you could stand there because you weren't in anyone's way because everyone else is st yeah. standing so i went down there and i was near the halfway line and the reason i remember it so clearly is because the ball went out of play for a liverpool throw and steve nickel ginger scottish left back yeah. came up to take it but it was close to the halfway line John Barnes came over and he was like, no, no, get back, get back. I'll take it. Steve Nichol runs back. And John Barnes is suddenly stood in front of me, his back. Like I could, I could have reached out and touched the 10 on his shirt as he's taking the throw on. And I was just like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. That's it. It's, I think it's, I've told this on the pod before, but at a presentation evening once, I was at this tournament that we'd won as a kid or whatever. He was the one, John Barnes was the one giving out the trophies. And it was at the same time that he released his like, you know, that Mars bar rap or the one that was in the Mars bar advert. 
was that a reworking of his famous rap yeah yeah. right the england rap yeah yeah and it was like it was like yeah he and he performed that live and i I remember my dad was like going and i was i don't know apparently at the end he was like everyone was like do the rap do the rap and i was like i don't know what that is apparently he performs it hundreds of times a year because people just constantly ask him constantly like he's never never outlived it can i say in not what what year was that 1988 88 yeah in 1988, I went to watch Liverpool v Wimbledon at Plough Lane. Oh, what a ground. And I had exactly the same thing. I was at the corner flag and he came over. Wow. Yeah. Same season. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, crazy gang. Nice. Crazy, crazy, crazy gang. gang. But yeah, John yeah. Barnes was kind of like... He was my favourite. Who's the equivalent of John Barnes now, David, would you say? like Just to give, give John some scope Greenish? on how massive he was. Yeah, maybe Grealish in style, definitely. But in terms of like superstar, like he he was a real superstar, wasn't he? he? Like stood out from everybody else. Oh, he was so apt, uh, and he got so much stick. Oh my god, him. he took all of the race. He took enough racism for like a thousand black footballers. Unbelievable. That's mental. That, that, what, from I, his own, from England fans. Yeah, from all fans. That's from all fans. Yeah, yeah, but I mean. So like other yeah you know like you still see it from other countries but like to think that like England fans would be giving their own that's pathetic well player. we had Eng- yeah, we had England ridiculous. fans who booed the knee a couple of years ago so we're still, yeah yeah true like all Very those true. twats had children who are like young men now that's the yeah. way I see it and if you're raised racist it, like all the only difference now is like they know oh you're not supposed to oh, better not do that like yeah in the wrong places but they're still fucking racist yeah they're not dead. Do you know what I mean? I'm still around, so they're still around. John Barnes still around, so they're still around. Yeah. I mean, he he never um, he didn't really pull it off for England. But is it any fucking surprise? We were terrible those days, though. Man. Yeah, but imagine having all of that whenever on top. he touched the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did score one amazing solo goal against Brazil in a friendly. It was incredible. Have you seen that, John? No. YouTube that. That was that was a YouTube real highlight. John Barnes v Brazil. Um, but yeah, so that, that was, was a, just that like was a friendly, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a friendly. I think it was. was yeah, that, was that the same game when Lineker tried to do a Penenka and completely fucked it? Maybe. It's the first thing that comes yeah. up on YouTube. There you go. Lovely. Even before Everyone the round knows of that. Yeah, I love John Barnes. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, well done. Um, yeah. So Have you met him? No, I never met him. I'd be fascinated to s- sit and talk with him for like an hour. I, w- I really would love that rather than just like, hey, take a photo. And just because I'm trying to get my head around what those years were like, you know. Um, 1984, was that John Barnes? Yeah, that is, that's. I was like 16 years. Minus. 17 years from being born. Yeah. It's graceful. Absolutely disgusting. I can't believe you spend like uh, the amount of time you spend with this this child every week. Doesn't it like get to you? <laughs> Dave, <laughs> yeah. would you would you say I'm mature for my age, David? Actually, you exhilarate me, John. There you go. He has an energizing quality. No, obviously, John, I'm I'm I mean, being facetious because I find exactly the same thing. Like I've got I've got a daughter a couple years younger than you, and I'm telling you, like being around young people is just the fucking best. Like being around people my age is so depressing. Wow, young people, <laughs> young people, <laughs> the energy that they've got, the ideas they have, the way they approach things, considering how little fucking hope is left, considering the world that we're passing to you is just like we've absolutely just, we basically like, it's like we've shat in a mug and gone, here you go. 
have a, have a cup of tea. This is yours now. Yeah. You oh, know, so like you lot are amazing. That's the way I see it. Genuinely. I, thank you. Well, I, I asked ask myself every day what made like David want to like keep me here. Mm. All right. Sounds a bit <laughs> seedy. Hi. <laughs> Sound a bit gloomy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that fucking route, mate. Let's not unravel that. <laughs> First it was Paul McCartney. You ask yourself every day, do you? What made David want me? Nah, is it like um? <laughs> what does he weird, feel? Mate, <laughs> Don't pull that, Fred. Son. <laughs> oh dear. No, not when the pod's on the up. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Question two. Oh, yeah. Are you a season ticket holder? No, I haven't been a season ticket holder at Palace since 2010? 20, maybe 2000. When were we in the championship? I used to sit up in the, the upper homestead. Yeah, where'd you sit? End. Where'd you sit in the ground? I used to always sit in the upper homestead row end, but now I get tickets in different ways. So, like, either I'll just go as a guest of Steve's and sit in the director's area. You wanker. But then I have to wear a suit. But the food is do good. You, do you really go? Where do you go? You I'll go sit just guest? behind um, Mark Bright and Steve Parrish. Yeah. That is heaven. But sometimes you really just, because there's no chanting there. You don't really want to swear too much. Ah, and you're wearing a suit. Um, so like sometimes I do just want to be with all the Palace lads and girls, actually. There's a good mix of us. Um and I've, so I've got a WhatsApp. I've got a WhatsApp group. Actually, John Petrie's in it and Holly Walsh. But there's a whole bunch of us in there, and we're, they're always share tickets or get tickets for other people on the edge. You know what I mean, so like, I'll buy a ticket through the WhatsApp group sometimes just to get back into the the proper homestay vibe. In which Hang case, I'll be lower, lower homes. Now I like all the listen. I'm a, I'm fascinated by the director's box. Okay, and all that business. Yeah. What, what do you do in there? What do you do? You, what do you eat? I drink very heavily and I eat absolutely everything that they offer. And I, I just have no shame. I mean, one time we we hadn't won in like 10 games. Vieira's about to get sacked. We had to beat Leicester City. I mean, it was, it was a six-pointer. So tense. So tense. Like, we lost that game. We, it was start, we need to start thinking seriously about relegation. That's how bad it was towards the end of this season just gone I came in champagne <coughs> Mark, yeah. Mark Bright saw me and he was like do you want to put the champagne down until we've actually fucking won and I was like yeah it's a good point but let's call it optimism Brady it's optimism and we won 2-1 and I was like see but I was shitting it <laughs> champagne oh, Charlie in the know- background yeah you know all these people I do so now, yeah. Right. All you can trace it all back to that song that I just did for a love. <gasps> I wrote a song for Exeter City. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but John's yeah. already told us about the difference between Exeter and and Bournemouth. Like, what are they going to yeah. do? Like, get get you a meal deal, from Tesco. There you wow. go. Wow, we've got a director's box. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a director's, we've got a director's box. And a heritage you know. lounge. And I'm a not heritage talking about lounge. cardboard ones. I'm talking about like real ones. Um, no, you know what? We, I, I'm, I'm, I'm being a dick because we don't even have a, we don't even have a director's box. It's just like an area, so we are sat amongst the fans. It's just sort of yeah, same, same as ours. Yeah, it's not like um, 
you know when you see these yeah. whole sort of wings and then you've got the glass boxes behind you know it's not like that we got, we got like, some glass boxes when I went to Torquay's when I went to Torquay's they've got like 30 seats behind the goal mm. yeah, that are different colour and I thought I love that I'll have a bit of that. Nice. No. It looked like the Royal Box. I've, been, I've yeah. been in there. Yeah, not, not. Um, yeah, well, I liked it. Yeah, that's right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, they invite the dignitaries from the other clubs, so they'll be there having yeah. lunch with you, which is nice. Um, and uh, you do meet the odd legends. Do you know what I mean? Gareth Southgate was there one time. Nice. Gareth Southgate. Um, yeah, well, I went. To, I went in the boardroom at uh, Salford, and Ryan Giggs, Roy Keane, Gary Neville—they were all there. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were they were in a separate room. They insisted they ate on their own. I think, but I mean, that's fair enough. I wouldn't mind. I'd Is like. To, I'd like to meet Roy Keane. Meant to be lovely. Yeah, I, I can just. I can sort of see his game. He's a bit like Simon Cowell. You know, Simon Cowell like plays a character called Simon Cowell on all those shows. Yeah. When I met Simon Cowell, I was like. Oh, You've met Simon Cow. Yeah, he's lovely, lovely guy. God, on I'd the do level, start a pod called that. He's <laughs> You've met Simon Cow. <laughs> the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> just different people. You? Met Simon Cow. Love, like lovely dude, funny, down to earth, like on the level. I, I was just like, oh, it's a fucking character. Of course it is. Yeah, I'd still be scared of Roy Keane. I would, I'd say something wrong, and he'd be like, nah, get out. Yeah, like you spent too much time on your fringe or something, and he'd like have a go at your fringe. <laughs> I'd yeah, be worried do, uh, about that. Kids these days. Yeah. What's your match day routine? Um, Are well, you near the ground? Do you live I'm near? Absolutely nowhere near Crystal Palace, and have never lived anywhere near there. I, I was born in Kilburn. I still live near Kilburn. Um, I lived in Hackney for 20 years. That was a bit easier to get to Sowers Park because they built that orange line that went straight from Dalston to Norwood Junction. That was dreamy because you used to see an, a different eagle in exile on the, at each stop. Do you know what I mean? One, then four, then nine, then 15. It, it would build with each stop. I, I loved that. Now it's like... There's one other eagle that comes as far as Northwest London. Do you know what I mean? And I know him. I'll see him on the tube, you know, and we'll chat. Um, but it is a fucking trick. What I normally do is I'll go down to London Bridge and then get an overground from there. And it's not, I could do it in an hour. If you're, if you're in the director's box, do you not get a parking space? I wouldn't drive because um, I'm on the Johnny Beers. Uh, of course, yeah. yeah. It's on the I, I, I mean, that is a part of it. I do love having a drink. It's like a sort of day Dougie of Shepherds. yeah. It's like a day of wild <laughs> abandon because first off, we're probably going to lose. So I sort of take that on board. I'm going to see loads <laughs> of old friends because I've been going to Palace since the nineties. Um, That's nice. You know, if the sun's shining, great. I'm gonna have a drink and a catch up, and I'm just gonna let everything let my hair down for a day, basically. Um, and that is kind of my routine. The other thing is, I'll, like, if I'm in the director's board room for lunch and stuff, I get to bring a guest. So I'll bring who a, a, a mate who supports whatever team we're playing. And that's mm-hmm. another little routine that I do. Otherwise, I'll just be in with all my mates and in the lower home, homestead, jumping about, singing and shouting. I, I mean, I absolutely love going down there. The, the, the reason I'm a Palace fan is because both my parents are from down there. They moved to Northwest London just before I was born. Uh, right. My dad was a Palace fan. My older brother was Palace, who, who grew up around there. Um, 
so I just inherited them. Well, my parents are from Old Trafford, like oh really, like sort of nine. Okay, I was going to say no, no Man United fans are ever from anywhere. <laughs> nowhere near Manchester. They're from Sussex, and they're the, all probably the, closer to you, Doc. The other theory that I have about Man United refugees is that they do become extremists. That you got to look out for them. So, like uh, again, Go to on. mention our mutual friend John Petrie, when yeah. he when he left Man United and became a Palace fan, he was such a hardcore Palace fan. You know, talking about well, stats, like blah blah blah, getting telling this and this and that, and I'm thinking, all right, mate, why aren't you nicking? You only just arrived. Oh, do you think they'd sort of overcompensate? Yeah, like a, a like a like a a white English ginger convert to some extremist brand of Islam. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit too much. <laughs> just study, just study the the Quran, and uh, you know, you don't have to stop. Look at me, I've started. You don't have to stop playing music. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to do that. Like it's okay. Just like alter your diet. Study the Quran, brotherly love. It's all good. Why are you fucking? Th- oh, it's because you're ginger and and you know, you, you feel like you've got to do more. And that's what I mean. Like you haven't just switched from Man United to Exeter. You, I, I'm gonna fucking put it by, mate. The world needs to understand. Uh, <laughs> I am I am Exeter City to the bone. That's what I mean. It's Listen, about- this wasn't my idea. It was actually Joe's. He said I'm enjoying. And then he fucking you. legged it, didn't he? And then he fucked off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, man. I, and to be no, honest, I don't. No, I do. I'll tell you no. why I love it because it's the hardest thing when you support a small team is to build a fan base. It's really, really fucking hard. If you are a kid, right? Doesn't matter if you grow up outside, say Loftus Road or Selhurst Park. You know, why the fuck would you support QPR or Palace? You just go. I'm a Londoner. I'll support Arsenal. Or I'll just support Man City. They're the best team in the world. It's really hard to convince young people to support a smaller club. So anything that you can do, like what you're doing for Exeter, like what I do for Palace, I mean, I'm basically like an ambassador for Palace these days, like trying to encourage people to come down and support. And, you know, you can really grow a fan base with a little bit of success on the field and a bit of, you know, zhuzhing it up, a bit of swagger off of it. So you're doing the right thing. I'm being for Yeah, it's the pod effect. It's helping, isn't it? It's helping the club. They know that. We know that. Well, on a serious level, though, like how many people, well, I say how many, it's like, but like how many people tweet saying, oh, I follow Exeter City now like because of the pod and I check out for their results and da da da, da And like, oh, I bought a membership, trust membership or I bought a kit or whatever. Like we get yeah. that all the time. I mean, Wrexham's got to be the ultimate, right? In terms of, yeah, new a building of a new fan base. So you got Americans now who's supporting Wrexham, and you know to have a show built around it in that way. Shout out to Humphrey Kerr as well, actually. Um, yeah, from from Comedians Corner, another one doing very well. Nuts. Um, yeah, like I think anything you can do to to go look at the drama, look at the community, look at the fun we have, look at the love, look at the togetherness. Anything you can do like that, I think it does make a kid go, well, yeah, you know, I do support Man City, but when the fuck am I going to get to or be able to afford to go to the Etihad when I could? Do you know how, how, how much the pod is helping? It's my boy's um, eighth birthday tomorrow, and he's wanted a football kit. Mm. And I've got him a Spurs one. Oh, Jesus. Because he's not interested in... What's that, like £140 full kit? Yeah, it's quite a lot. It's insane, isn't it? 
hundred and forty pounds to, to get your kid like bullied by everybody. He, 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 he comes to watch Exeter, but he's just <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah sorry. Sad. On, on but... your point about man, on your point about Man City, Doc, it's not to. to I live in Manchester and I get tickets to Man City quite often, and it's not that expensive. Either. Oh, that's it's pretty that's pretty good. reasonable because. Because they suffer from that like impression that they have no fans, so they just sort of like make the tickets really ch- like cheap, affordable. I mean, I think season How tickets are still quite a bit. How cheap are you talking? Well, I, I went to a Champions good? League game for like fourteen pounds. Fourteen pounds. Yeah, it was like it was like One a student. Four. It was like a student deal. Okay. But like, but it was Which... on like uni days. I went to like uh, Man City versus Club Bruges, Man City versus Sporting Lisbon, Man City versus quite a few Copenhagen. So like quite a few different. That's pretty. That is pretty damn cool. Fourteen pounds. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I can't compete with that at all. That's impressive. And that's because they do. They do struggle to sell out. I mean, those are like the last of the last tickets up in the skies, but still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You take what you can get. All right. Um, I'm conscious that we've spoken for an hour and a fucking half, and I think we're at question three or something. <laughs> so. <laughs> also, I've got no idea now because I've. Pull down the curtain. What? 30 Let's fucking rattle through fucking it, house. son. Yeah. <laughs> Let's rattle through it. <laughs> Quick fire. Right. Favorite pet. Genuinely. Go. Let's rattle through it. Who'd you go to games with? <clears throat> Say again. Who'd you go to games with? Uh, well, like I said before, like I will take a different person each time. If I don't yeah. do that, I'll, Question five, I'll take my favorite way <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's good. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, All right. I quite like this. Yeah. I don't mind that. Favorite, favorite away ground. ground. I think John mentioned it earlier. I do love Hillsborough. I think it's got a lot of character. Um, Brilliant. Brilliant ground. Yeah. I, I, anywhere where there's a bit of fucking atmosphere. City ground. Great. I like an old fashioned ground. ground. Yeah. Uh, not in Forest. Ah, yeah. Ah, right. I, li- I like an old-fashioned stadium, but I, I, you know, I went to Spurs this season, just gone, and it is a phenomenal stadium. Atmosphere is dried up. Bobby Pet said the same thing. Yeah, it's 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 it, like it's 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 genuinely awesome in the original, you know, use of the words, especially for a Palace fan because our place is tiny. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. yeah, those three pretty good. A lot of atmosphere no, though at Selhurst Park. No, our yeah, place is great. tiny. How? Yeah, what's our the capacity? Place. Eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah, eight and a wouldn't half. Even, wouldn't even be allowed to play in the Prem if you got there. It's a sad take. Not even in the Championship. No. Well, oh, really? Not, we would, Can you we not would, even play in the Championship? Bit, yeah. They give you a little bit of a pass you, to, yeah, sort, to sort your shit out. Yeah, they got they got four seasons. Yeah, because we've got we've got a, a terrace that's still like like all standing. So amazing. Like, but you know, some in, of the big in, clubs. In the I think Liverpool have a, had a successful application to get a standing area, safe standing. Yeah. So I don't think ours classifies as like I don't think it meets like the Premier Leagues or Championships like safe standing standards. It's literally just a bunch of rails and like yeah. cram as many people as you can into. Fortunately, the big bang. The football doesn't match the standards either, so you're all right for now. Ooh. Look at John. Sorry, Ooh. that's my beloved. That is that's like that's, there's nothing. Sorry, there's, there's nothing higher in my life than Exit City. Really? Question six: yeah. least favorite away ground. Get yourself a girlfriend. Sorry, uh, least favorite away ground. Um, oof. Where have I really hated going? Oh, Stamford Bridge. Hated that. Oh. Yeah. Hey, just, hate, just hated the whole vibe. And, I, and you know, when sometimes you're a away fan, you just feel like shunted around in tiny corridors and low ceilings. And then I think the other thing was I was sat in the away end. 
because I couldn't get a ticket for the. I mean, what am I talking about? I was sat in the home end because I couldn't get a ticket for the the Palace away end. Um, and so you're in amongst it, and you're like, I don't like this. I was sat not because I felt threatened. Complete opposite. I was sat behind like four or five like sort of. I, I think they were international students, but they're Japanese, right? And they were laden with Harrods bags, uh, and I opened one of them and pulled out like loads of delicious-looking cold cuts and like laid it across oh, their lovely. knees on the paper, mm. you know, the greaseproof paper. Yum, yum. Started nibbling and commenting quietly on the game, and um, we nearly scored. And I was next to a fellow eagle, um, Jerry, and I was like, "Oh God, what happens like if we score?" And he goes. But if we score, I'm celebrating. I was like, you sure? And he goes, yeah, what are they going to do? Throw a fucking piece of a salami at me. I think we're fine. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, fuck this place. Yeah. It's gone. That's David's ideal, like, football surrounding, isn't it? Just sit there with a yeah, packed little picnic. Yeah. yeah. Shit, the ashes is on. Oh, we really got a power on. Yeah, know. yeah. All right, come on. <laughs> just uh, question seven. If you could travel back in time, which game would you watch? Uh, Shall I tell you what? I, my first thought with a come question on, like this Craig. is always <laughs> always 1990 <laughs> FA Cup final Palace Man U but I watched the game live on television recently and I would maybe sever my children's limbs to have been on that game Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday Peterborough. just recently against Peterborough is yeah. possibly the greatest football game I've ever seen in my life yeah, was on that. television. I to be there, I would. Oh my god, I would have loved to have seen that. As a, a few neutral, mates at that one, yeah, really. A few mates at that one. Phenomenal yeah, yeah. game. Phenomenal game. Yeah, amazing. That's a great call. Question eight. It's my favourite question. So please have a good answer. Yeah. Who's the best player you've seen in the flesh? Oh, wow. Who's the one that made you go? I can't believe I'm breathing his air. I think. <sighs> Perhaps Paul Gascoigne. Oh, second or third mention on the part. Yeah, I, mean, I saw mention. him. I saw him. Uh, uh, my, my, my mate Cass was a junior gunner, and you could, you know, when you're a kid, you can sort of be, become like a member of the clubs so who get cheap tickets and stuff, get tickets for a pound and all of that. This is like early '90s, '91 maybe, and and I went with Cass to the um, North London derby. Arsenal oh. Spurs so Gary Lineker was there as well that's amazing um, but Gaza just like a little bit like Eze like he dark, like sort of glut, not fast but somehow faster than everybody else like sort of like mm-hmm. dancing through and so unorthodox he's technically nowhere near the best player I've ever seen but it just did things with the ball that nobody could work out ever a bit like Wright, because he was just sort of making it up as as he was going. Like, if you watch him right, you think of him uh, millions of goals, and then you watch a highlight reel. He didn't really score many good goals, or even the same type of goal. It was just every type of goal, some beauties, but it's like it was never the same twice. His, his celebrations never the same twice. The way he played with the ball was never the same twice. It makes you realise these new players are amazing. But they are also like the individuality is almost beaten out of them because it's not that kind of game anymore. So someone like Jack Grealish is very special now. Um, but Gaza was a true maverick and see him in the flesh. It may be the best, maybe the best. But I also saw Ravinelli and Lombardo. I mean, the first Did time. I, yeah. 
Ravinelli was at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Uh, and I saw, obviously, Lombardo came to Palace. And, you know, those... God, he did, didn't he? Those yeah. were Italians who, you know, again, John, if you're of a, of, of a certain vintage, like me and Dave, like, in the late 80s, early 90s, there was, like, a football magazine show on Channel 4 on Saturday mornings called Gazzetta Football Italia, Italia which was built out of the hype around Gaza going to Italy. Uh, but it, and it, it was actually a brilliant show regardless of Gaza. And even after he was long gone, it carried on because James Richardson hosted, he was superb. And the roundups by, uh, was it Peter Drury? No. Mm, maybe. It's one of the old school guys, like John Champion. Or something. Just, everything was like highbrow, just like Italian culture. It was like, it was like highbrow. It was intellectual. And it was at that time, the best football in the world. Right. Shout all over Spain, England, Germany, Dutch league. Italy was the league to be in. So, is this like the run out? Is this is this like way before Ronaldinho being there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm talking okay. about late eighties, early, right, yeah, early okay. very early nineties. So, if to put it in perspective, when these Italians came to the Premier League, Ravinelli, uh, Lombardo, was Zola, huge, wasn't it? That, that that was a huge deal, but it was like MLS now. Like they were old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll just go and play in that little English thing for a laugh. We'll just look like we'll we'll look amazing. So yeah. we'd take them and they'd be like in the mid thirties, and we'd be like, "Oh my god, they're here!" Do you think you know that's I mean? happening with like the Saudi league now? Yeah, except that they've got so much money that they can. They'll, you'll see, they'll start to get young players as well. Young, well, they already, they've Ruben already got Nevers, a couple of young they, ones. Yeah, Ruben Nevers was a big yeah. surprise because he could have gone to Barcelona. And Mitrovic is going as well. Mitrovic, isn't he? Mitrovic will go. He, they they turned that down a couple of times, but it, that's the thing. Now they know you turn it down a couple of times, they want you enough even more money so it's like you can't compete but it, there is a slight similarity I'd say MLS is a closer one anyway so true when they came over it was like a little Hollywood oh man it was incredible because you think in, in right up until like 94, 95 each English team maybe had one foreigner maybe yeah. do you know yeah. what I mean it's like you yeah. can't fathom it like compared to now right. It's amazing how many English players Man City have got because it, I mean it stands out in a in a in a league an English league where <laughs> nobody's English. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Question nine: Worst experience you've had at a game? Uh, standing next to like you know when you go to away, uh, you you follow your team away. It's always wicked because it's always like the hardcore of your crowd in amongst it with the home fans but sta- but you're stood right next to them so it can be a bit nasty but L- Loftus Road again second mention not in a good way a, a fucking a, like hundreds of people singing I'd rather be a P word than a Jew and we were just like what this was our, our last year in the championship and we were just like you know there were Palace fans taking photos videos passing them to stewards you know I was impressed by the response of the fans. But I was shocked to be in West London as recent as 10 years ago and see racism that, like, old school. I was like, oh, you're a disgrace. You're an absolute disgrace. Yeah. Oh. I, I, like, that, what are you doing when you're stood with them? Oh, it's, like, it's like a horrible throwback. You want, the, you want a hole to, like, open up and just swallow you because... Anything you say is not going to work, right? You're dealing with absolute meatheads. 
and uh so but the the feeling of it that that it's still in the air like that level of ignorance is like it's it's like mind-blowing because you you just the rest of the year every other day you're constantly reminded of how far we've come do you know what I mean? yeah. yeah yeah and then you get these little moments where you're just like holy shit there's still that little education in your house that you think this fucking means anything yeah i, I can't get my head around like things like that i genuinely just don't get it i don't i can't well, that's the beauty of young people now like they're just like you know homophobia islamophobia you know religious intolerance racism the, the absolute vast majority of young people now are just like what are you talking about like why would you do that why would you yeah. be racist? I, I, I literally can't even I don't get I don't get it <laughs> which is a beautiful thing myself yeah I literally I can't I can't put myself in the mind of someone who would like think in that way like it's like mental I just, it just makes yeah. no it doesn't make any sense like, why would which is yeah, a beautiful like, thing the, because the, that means no we're creating we're creating a new institution like I said we've got 30 teenagers in my house right now all different backgrounds like you would be ostracized if you like hinted at you know so they kind of it's like this thing that's sort of developed over time to the point where it doesn't even come into your head to say it and no. that is where we should be not it doesn't come into your head because you're like oh better not say this racist thing that i'm desperate to say but because it, it's just not even part of your lexicon it's just not anywhere in your spirit and the thing is if you're from a minority of any kind you know you can feel it when it's there without it being said so you can't hide it i can fucking spot a racist from a million miles away other things take me by surprise you know homophobia or you know religious intolerance these kind of things i think oh shit my radar wasn't on for that one i've just been i've been broadsided there someone's assumed that i'm also a homophobic prick sorry mate uh i'm not you know um but yeah, with with racism, I I can spot it. I can spot when I had the best one when uh, after the um, uh, who were we? I can't remember who we were playing. But City also had this FA Cup semi final right recently, and I was in a pub in London Bridge on my way back. Stopped off for one, and this City fan came up to me. It was maybe about sixty, and he goes to me. Um, he goes, uh, mate. Can I ask you something? He goes, if this is racist, just tell me to fuck off. Right? That's how he opened it. And I was That's like, never a good start to a sentence, I was like, is it? mate, it's definitely going to be racist. Like, <laughs> but I'm laughing well, as you, I hey, say. You're it. sat on your own and he comes no, up I'm, to I'm stood and I'm with my mate and we're both wearing fucking suits because we've come from the director's room, you know, at Palace. And he's like, if this is racist, tell me to fuck off. And I'm like, well, it probably will be with that intro. But I'm laughing, you know. I'll give you a shot. And so oh. he's like, you know where I can get any gear? And I'm like, yeah, mate, that's racist. And he goes, all right. But he goes, yeah, great. He goes, T tell me why. I actually want to know why. And I was like, Re you really want to know? And he was like, yeah, I want to know. I don't want to make a mistake. Yet. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Look around, okay? We're in a pub in London Bridge. It really helped my point that there was not a single other black person in the in this entire pub. I was like, look around. I am the only person of colour here. I'm also the only person, apart from my mate here, Mike, wearing a suit. Like, I, I don't feel that I look like any kind of a drug dealer, right? I'm sure, like, you clearly bought drugs before. You know, you know what they look like. 
Um, so you've made a decision based on something, and I'm guessing it's not the fucking suit, bro. And he was like, oh, no, you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Yeah, sorry, mate, sorry. You're in there. Sorry, mate. Yeah, is he yeah. playing dumb? I think he was just a. I think like this is this is how complex racism is. Like this guy's about sixty years old, so he's from a slightly different era. To he loves with. his pills. Loves his pills. Loves a bit of gear. Um, <laughs> I think he genuinely has that leftover from the old days of like, oh, you know, if you want to get drugs in the nightclub, you got to look for the the cool black guy at the back of the room. He's probably the one. Do you know what I mean? In, in his mind it's like sort of like pos almost like positive discrimination like you're the you're the guy i need right now you know it's like but bro no it's a horrific stereotype you gotta stop you really gotta stop was this before or after that scene in in between us no i mean this is dude this is like the semi-final they just played like recently. oh right so did, in between us in between, in between us was 13 years ago yeah yeah and so that's that like has happened to me every year since it happened to me in fucking colombia in a in a reggaeton club in colombia and a guitar like holy shit it's so funny like experiencing racism in colombia from these guys because i i always said to him dude i don't know what you think you are but if i take you back to england you're not white bro you've you clinging on to this this image of whiteness in your head like you you look darker than me you just got the straight hair like, I could take you to some white places, bro. <laughs> it's amazing. Enagrito. <laughs> Little black boy. Give me some drugs. In Colombia. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't heard any of it. But then maybe, like you said, you could spot it. But I haven't heard any of it at Exeter. So it's so rare now. But like the the twenty Euro twenty twenties, where you saw racism from the England fans, and I was like genuinely shocked. I was genuinely like, oh, we got to be beyond this, surely, surely. But yeah, I think I think most clubs are. You know, the, the, the national is so much harder to contain because you're people from everywhere. But most clubs, I think, they're on it, man. They're on it all the time. We had some dickhead making a racist gesture. At, uh, Son Heung Min at, at Tottenham, banned for life. Do you know what I mean? It's just like I remember looking at him, just going, "You're you're gone, mate. Like you've just you just fucked it. You're yeah, never going to watch there, Palace like, again." It's oh yeah, he's out stadium. there. He's out there. But like that's the first thing. Like the the probably the best thing in his life is Palace. Do you know what I mean? And now he hasn't got it, and he's got yeah. to think every day about why he hasn't got it, and explain to his kids this is why we can never go to football. Because mm -hmm. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a 54 year old idiot, 54 year old baby. So we can we, can, we can't have nice things. That will do its job in like slowly taking it out as that's well. That's what take, I mean. Yeah. That's if you take I mean. every idiot out and their kids are like, oh, I don't know, why are you not at the football? And their parents are truthful, then they'll be like, oh, okay, right, this this is wrong. Yeah, and it is it's it's like a group thing. We all have to go. That's not okay. You know, we used to have a homophobic chant at Palace about Brighton. We had a couple sexist songs. Just overnight, we were just like, this is, this doesn't feel, this is not good. Just feels yeah. wrong, man. You know, and everyone sort of agreed. There was no letter, there was no memo, but it's just a bit like, eh, this feels like a, a leftover from a time that we do not, we do not want to be a part of anymore. You know, it's not about being some right on, like, Forest Green Rover vegans or something, but it's just like 
The game. A little slag in for them again. <laughs> they get a slag in every fucking every episode. Do they? Yeah. they should yeah. They shouldn't. They just hired the no, first ever woman in, in football management. Yeah. Just for the cameras. And, and they sat and they got rid of her straight away. Have they? What? Oh, I'm slow. I'm, yeah, they, they've, I'm slow they've just the hired you. someone else, yeah. Like a big meat-eating bloke. Big meat-eating. <laughs> get the job done. I think it's like horse mead or horse head or horse something. Horse head? <laughs> Brian Horsehead. Horse fool. No, horse fool. Sorry, horse fool. Oh, he, Brian, yeah, he used to play, didn't he? That, that name sounds... It sounds... I thought I thought you said horse meat at first. Horse, I was like, yeah, Brian I don't horse know. Meat. I, John Horsemeat and John be Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get rid of the woman and get Barry Horsemeat. Meat, meat at Forest Green Rovers would not go down. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right, last question. Right. Come on, Doc, for fuck's sake. Come on. What interesting facts have you got about Crystal Palace? And if we've heard it already, oof, that's tough. Yeah, this is going to be a tricky one because we've got James Gitt. We've had a lot of people. Oh, with God, some great yeah, facts. people who know, you know, know their history. What's an interesting fact? Um, did you know we played the last ever FA Cup replay? FA Cup final replay. Sorry. Oh, what? No, I didn't. The I didn't final, know that. final used to be re played John Beer. Yeah, that if is it was mental. a draw after extra time. That you were is like, nuts. Let's do this all again. This showpiece of the entire football season. <laughs> this oldest was game like in club football. Was it like on a Tuesday night or something? Let's just do this play. again on Tuesday. You know, start after <laughs> EastEnders. You up for that? Yeah. So we did, we played again on the following Wednesday night. We played in yellow and black stripes. It was one of the worst games I've ever watched. There was one shot on target. It was by a defender called Dennis Owen, just lashed it, went in. Man United won the FA Cup. The dampest squib in the history of squibs. God, I remember that game, actually. Awful. <laughs> yeah. ITV, 7pm. No, that's, gr- that's a great fact. Mm. FA Cup replay. FA oh. Cup final replay. Settle down. Mental. Terrible. Doc. Thank you so much. You go and watch the fourth. I'm going to watch the fifth test. Are you actually going? I've got a ticket to the fifth day at the Oval. You jammy fucker. Yeah. <laughs> shall, shall I tell you? Here's an interesting doc fact. I n- have never watched a minute of cricket in my life until these ashes. This is the first cricket I've ever watched and I love it. I, just, I can't get behind a, cricket. I'm sorry. I, 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 I always said the same thing, John. Up until... A matter of weeks ago. So it was the first test, right? I couldn't give a shit, mate. Don't watch cricket. And I was shooting uh, a comedy thing. And it was one of those days, we call them split days, where you've got like, you're in the first scene and the last scene. So you've got like fucking a year in between. You've got like 10 hours of doing nothing. And fortunately, I was on with an amazing comic actor called Jim Howick. Do you know Jim, David? Yeah, yeah. Amazing lovely. guy, lovely guy. And I can hear, you know, cheering coming from his phone. He's like, what are you watching? He's like, I'm watching The Ashes. I'm like, oh, fuck, cricket. Uh, I thought it was something interesting. And he goes, no, no, it's really good. And I was like, how's it good? He goes, oh, I'll show you, I'll show you. And he, he, I just sat with him for a couple of hours and he broke down how it works, why it's, yeah. why what's happening right now is exciting. By the end, I had it on my phone in the car on the way home, like I wasn't driving, <laughs> just watching the end, like the, de- like screaming, shouting, and I am now a cricket fan. I think that might be my problem. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I had no idea, John. No idea. But yeah, I, might be. A I had a unique situation with a, a, a somebody who knew sitting me down and telling me in a way that wasn't confusing. 
I had Jim Howick tell me. My new cricket That's club. you want. I don't think hey, they... I don't think do you know where I'm going? Do you know where I'm going in November? Go on. When I was 17, I wanted to move to the West Indies and teach cricket to the West Indies Oof. children. Because I thought... Because my hero is Viv Richards. Legend. I'm going... I'm taking the family out to Antigua. Fuck off. And we're going to watch... We're going to watch England against West Indies. And I'm going to go and see Viv Richards' house. Oh, my Lord. That's... That's a bucket list. That's huge, man. Yeah, it is I'm huge. Incredibly I really wanted to go to and watch a test match in, on in Antigua because all the oh, Antigua as well, like, one of the most beautiful places on the planet as well. Oh, mate, you are in for such a treat. That's it's incredible. Apart from the horse spiders, I've keep googling. Well, you know the 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 nicer the island, the scarier the the mini beast spiders. Yeah, are you serious? Have you been there to Antigua? Yeah. No, I've been to Jamaica, obviously, but it's where my family are from. But um, also Bahamas and Barbados. But I've not been. Have to you seen a horse spider? I, I know exactly what you're talking about, though. Yeah. Bucking. Will I see one? Possibly. That's massive. Yeah, they 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 will eat you alive. Uh, I, th- nah, I think. Nah, no, when nah, you say possibly, nah, nah. are you serious? It's possible. Oh well, well, John's on the um, the interweb, so he can he can find out. I'm just, I'm just talking. I'm just talking here. I'm freestyling. Didn't, didn't, didn't Barry Horse Spider just take that woman's job at um, at Forest Green? Yeah, Forest Green Rovers. <laughs> it says, it says they're they're very common in Antigua, but only when it's heavy raining. So when the rain falls on Viv Richards' roof, you run. What I don't like is I know they're there. It's, I don't even care if I see one. I know they're there. Oh, they're there. Well, you know, that's in a lot of ways, that's that's life, David. You know, like you just you just describe perfection. And I was very jealous. And then the horse spiders and that's gives it brings about balance. You won't see it on the road or anything. It's only go. It only li- likes to reside around trees and bark and long grass. Cricket, cricket pitches. Yeah, like they tree. Bark. No, like they oh, reside woodlands. in bark. Woodlands. Like tree bark. Tree bark. <laughs> <laughs> that, now that really would be fucking terrifying, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? Woo! If we call it a dog oh. spider, then. Oh, oh here's my out. dog. Speaking of dogs. All right. Hold on. Right. Thank you, Doc. Be saying goodbye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flipping hell. They're massive, aren't they? Uh, they they can, look the, horrendous. The, small, the smallest recorded in Antigua is the size of a palm. I can't look at them. It's ruining everything. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> There's one. Fucking hell! There's one with an actual horse's face photoshopped onto it. No, they didn't need to do that. Why have they done that? Fucking hell! It's described. The reason it's called a horse spider is because it's described as the spot, the only spider a horse would run from. That's incredible. All right, Dave. Well, have a great time. Um, yeah, we'll do. <laughs> grab your kids. Grab your wife. Yeah. yeah. These horse spiders be eating everybody. Um, <laughs> Thank you so oh, much for coming right. on, mate. Pleasure, man. It was lovely to speak to you. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see you in, in the flesh soon. And how is your missus? She's all right. She's good. I saw Ricky yesterday. Oh.